You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for, because this is for the last. This is Reformed Raza. My name is Martin Velasquez alongside with my brothers. This is Justin Corona right here. And what up, everybody? This is Brother Vic. And you are now in the mix of another episode. Don't forget to hit us up, reformedraza.com or reformedraza.gmail.com. With any questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes, you can hit us up right there. And don't forget to leave that five-star uh, review on Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and hit us up on Spotify, on Podbean, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, on everywhere you listen to your podcast. Uh, you can hit us up right there. Uh, don't forget to leave that review and go ahead and and like and share and comment the, on the episode, and so that we can get a little bit more out there. You know what I mean? So I hope I hope there's no confusion in that. Uh, Martin just said five stars. Uh, we noticed that somebody put a four star. Oh, I mean, hey, I, I'm hey. not one to judge. <laughs> but, hey, but we see you. But, we, but uh, we see you. I mean, we don't see the name, but <laughs> but we know somebody did it. Hey, whoever uh, you are that put a four star, <laughs> go ahead and send us a message or a voicemail. No, telling us why. I mean, come on, why one star? You know, I mean, what's like, up with that one star that they? <laughs> yeah, like what's maybe going on? maybe it's because the final result was that cereal is not a dessert. Maybe that's why they put four oh, stars. Hey, 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 hey. I don't come, know. Um, the the people have spoken. The people of God spoke, so. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, uh, we have a a very special episode today, Limited Atonement. So if you haven't checked out uh, the last two episodes on total depravity and unconditional election, go ahead and do that before listening to this one because this is all joined together. This is a series that we're going through the tulip on this very important doctrine that that we hold to, that we uh, aspire to teach others so that other people can just have a little bit more of understanding about what they believe in about the gospel of Jesus Christ because it all builds together and it all, uh, it, affects, it affects your walk in a way that you have more assurance in the Lord, um, you're you're more likely to really just depend on God and His sovereignty and all the crazy things, especially in, in 2020, man. Like crazy things are going down, and our our um, our assurance comes that God is truly in control of all these things that are happening. And if you're a believer, then all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So this this doctrine just brings it all together, and that's what it is. It's a it's a personal thing where it affects your evangelism, it af- it affects the, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, everything about your walk just kind of uh, goes a, a little more deeper than just you know, yeah, I just believe in Jesus. It's what we believe about Jesus is what matters. So yeah, with that in our episode today, we do have on a special guest. Uh, many of you maybe be following him already on Instagram under Daily Reformation. So with that, I'd like to introduce the guest Jason, all the way from Arizona. Sure, up, thank you guys for having me. Can you get one of these two, bro? 
And for those of you listening, that crowd that was clapping right now, they're wearing masks and they're six feet apart. Okay? <laughs> they're social distancing. <laughs> they're social distancing, okay? So don't worry. <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, well, well, welcome to the show, brother. And, you know, we appreciate you just hopping, hopping on and, and just doing this episode about this very important doctrine. Uh, first of all, before we get started, uh, just, you know, brief intro, you know, who is Jason? Uh, what podcast do you do just to inform the listeners? Yeah. So, as you said, my name is Jason. Uh, my last name is Barefoot. So, a lot of people don't know that about me, but really? literally no shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're a hobbit? So, Apparently, I've, I've heard that before. That's the word on the street, you know. No, but I am a, uh, a podcaster, as uh, some of your audience may know. I have a show called Daily Reformation um, and an Instagram to, to go along with that. And I got into Reformed theology as God kind of took me deeper into doctrine and all that about, you know, three or four years ago. And I felt led to start a podcast because I just couldn't stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my family was like, you should start a podcast because we don't want to hear it. And so, <laughs> and so a couple uh, couple years later, we're still going strong on the podcast. And I'm uh, really happy about that. Amen. Amen. And uh, in case you, you don't recognize, you're a young dude, man. Like, if you want to throw your age out there, that's up to you. But you're, you're, you look like a young dude. And, and I've, you know, when I listen to your podcast, I mean, man, you're on point, sound, everything is like, man, like, that's crazy how, how much you know for being so young. So, you know, praise God that he has allowed you in your young age to, you know, get to know him and, and just, you know, be able to share the things that you know. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. All glory to God. Amen, amen. And so let's, 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 let's kick it off, man. Let's, let's get this. Let's get, let's get the show started. Um, so let me tell you, so one thing that um, comes with this particular doctrine is a little bit of controversy, especially uh, the people that that circles that we used to run in, um, very hostile against limited atonement. What, what you mean? Jesus only died for some or certain people. He didn't die for the whole world. What you mean? Because, you know, we've been taught, you know, that Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world mm-hmm. and so everyone automatically assumes oh that's what we got to do in evangelism just let people know that their sins are paid for and that you know they just got to recognize that they're saved you know what i mean and so what this part of reformed theology says wait hold up hold up there's scripture that says that jesus died for the elect he as uh, matthew 1 21 says his name will be jesus because he will die for the sins of his people his people. Mm-hmm. So, what is limited atonement then? For me, first off, before I begin start uh, talking about the definition, I had a real problem with this mm-hmm. in the beginning because because of that word limited. Yeah, it's like, what do you mean God's power is limited? That's how I took it as God's power is limited to save only certain people. Doesn't he have enough power to save the whole world? And so I, I remember in season one, you wanted to do the Tulip uh, podcast on it. And I was just like, you know what? I don't agree so much with the whole Tulip thing. Just give me Jesus. You know, I was, I was, I was that one person. But uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's dig in deeper in, in regards to limited atonement and what it's supposed to be contradicting. First off, the Armenian point of view says... That there, it's universal redemption or general atonement. And this 
This taught that Christ died to save all men, but only in a personal fashion. Christ's death enabled God to pardon sinners, but only on condition that they believed. And so what we're, what we're saying is this right here. Limited atonement is this, that Christ died positively and effectually to save a certain number of hell-deserving sinners on whose the Father had already set his free electing love. The Son pays a debt for these elect ones, makes satisfaction for them to the Father's justice, and imputes his own righteousness to them so that they are complete in him. So limited atonement is 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 basically to contradict the whole universalism, mm-hmm. because if, if you believe that everybody is saved, then or Christ died for everybody, then you believe that well everybody's going to heaven then. But we have a problem there because the Bible also talks about that there's going to be people in hell as well. But then that that the atonement is uh, is is for his elect ones. But uh, I mean. I mean I, I had a problem with this in the beginning because I didn't realize the concept of what atonement was yeah. and what Christ's uh, work was on the cross. All right. So, Jason, help us out with atonement. What, what, what is atonement then? Yeah, well, atonement, it refers, it's a theological term, obviously, that refers to the payment for sins. And so I have a, I take issue with people who say that Jesus atoned for everybody's sins because by definition, if their sins are actually atoned for the implication of that is that everybody's going to end up in heaven mm-hmm. yeah. by the strict theological definition of the term atonement so we have to think through these things a lot more a lot of people assume what atonement means without digging deep into the, the biblical usage of the term that's right and so we, we see in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 16 the day of atonement right where the, you know the, the, the high priest he will go in into the holy of holies he'll make atonement for himself first cleanse himself first before going into that and then he'll atone he'll make sacrifice for the sins of israel and their sins will be covered for one year right and so all of israel all of who god's chosen people right their sins will be paid for he did the priest didn't go in to make atonement for the sins of the entire world so that that right there to make atoning to make atonement for the sins of the entire world doesn't have scriptural basis even in the old testament it was strictly for the people of god so that's that's basically what we get leviticus 16 day of atonement sins cover for for one year for god's people god's chosen people Mm -hmm. all right and so when we go into the new testament then we see jesus christ dying on the cross and then he says um even scriptures throughout you know uh even in, in ephesians chapter 5 it says Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So, even according to Paul, Christ gave himself for the church, for the believers, for those who would believe. And then so, the, the shotgun scripture that everyone likes to throw at us, John 3.16, right? They get their, 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 their palms ready. We're like, what? All right. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, and then they emphasize the whosoever, how, and they, they, they take that, that 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 point of view like yeah you what do you mean limited whosoever right mm-hmm. and so like how you said the implications are universalism everybody goes goes to heaven right and right. obviously there's going to be people in hell so how do we reconcile the two so are you telling me that Jesus 
paid for the sins of people who will still end up in hell, that to me is a horrendous teaching. I don't know about you guys. You're saying that Jesus, the very sacrifice, the very blood of Christ was not powerful enough to save someone. That's another implication that we see. And to me, man, I take offense of that. For real. Like you're telling me that the blood of Christ was not sufficient. I mean, really what that's saying is that Jesus tried and failed. You think about it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And he said, it is finished. He accomplished what he set out to do on the cross. So what are the dangers then that follow this universalistic view then? That would be one of them. What's something else? Well, you know, I was thinking uh, along the lines of what Victor, you were saying a bit earlier about the term limited. I think a lot of people get tripped up on that word limited. Yeah. Uh, Why are you taking away from what Jesus did by limiting it? Mm. Um, That's kind of an accusation we hear occasionally. And I understand what they what they mean by that. But we have to understand something really key here. And that is that you're going to limit the atonement one way or another. If you're a universalist, you get off the hook because you think everyone's going to heaven. Bible doesn't allow for that. Jesus says the broad road leads to destruction. So if you're going to acknowledge that not everybody gets to heaven, you have two options. You're either going to limit the scope and extent of the atonement. So who he died for, Mm -hmm. or you're going to limit the power and effectiveness of the atonement. So he either died and actually saved a specific group of people, or he died and tried to save everybody, but he ended up partially failing at that. And so in so doing, you're limiting the actual power of of his work on the cross. And I think that's very dangerous. And uh, we need to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. Along that same line, it leads to uh, double retribution, um, where there, where the, the, the idea that, that the, the atonement was for everybody, but yet we do read scriptures where it says people go to hell. And so if, if we try to put two and two together, right, with, with this type of thinking, okay, so Jesus died on the cross and he died for everybody. He made atonement for everybody. Well, then if somebody goes to hell, well, one thing is, how, how is that possible? Because the atonement was simply that their sins were paid for. So then what exactly are they going to hell for then if their sins were paid for? And then also, too, if this, this line of thought continues and said people end up do going to hell, then is God then unjustly sending people to hell that he's already paid the sins for? So then right. now, now this arises a big problem in that view, because now we see people going to hell even though their sins were already paid for. They're going to they're going to hell for for paid off debt because what they didn't acknowledge the debt that was paid for. Still doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, because I I think what is it the in in that whole um, universal um, that whole universalism they're they're basically saying that when they evangelize they're just going around um, or they're just going around telling people that they've already been saved right yeah. That they, that they would come to the acknowledgement of how they've already been saved. And so with this um, doctrine, when it came up back then, it was to fight that, no, not everybody is saved. The cross is sufficient for all people, but ultimately it is only applied to the believers yeah. whom God elected. Yeah, amen. I think coming to limited atonement, it's, it's perfect. It's like that whole... 
a, a domino effect right there. That first we we have total depravity, which means which we look look at our episode total depravity, but that's that no one's able to come to God on on his own free will, right? Because uh, uh, of our sin, then we have the elect, his cho- his chosen ones, without any condition. Then we get here limited atonement. Limited atonement is just to secure those elect right there, because you basically have three options right here, which I'm reading right here. Uh, you basically have first option number one. That Christ died to save all men without distinction. Two, that Christ died to save no one in particular. That's that reckless stuff right there, right? That he died Dude. for no one in particular. And, and now, like, man. Or the third option is that Christ died to, to save a certain number of people. And this is the assurance that the believers, that the elect have, that Christ died for the sins of his people. He atoned in for the, for the sins of his people and you can be assured of this this is for the elect right here not, not that we're going around preaching all limited atonement limited 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 you know you're saved you're saved you're not no but this is to to secure the believer of your salvation as we have been saying before but God got in about that reckless love right there no he he died to secure your salvation and that that all these doctrines to me are beautiful yeah amen yeah, man. Well, one more thing about that. I was thinking, one of the, I don't want to misrepresent the the views out there because I know that they wouldn't say they mostly like Arminians, provisionists. They wouldn't say that they're, they're not universalists, so they wouldn't yeah, say that right. everybody's going. What they would say, if I understand their position position correctly, is that Jesus died to provide salvation as a possibility for everybody. So he made salvation possible for all but it's left up to your free will to essentially activate that. And there's a line from a song, actually a rap song by Shy Lin. Are you guys familiar with Shy Lin? Oh, Shy yeah. Lin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He's got a song about this called Mission Accomplished. Mm-hmm. And it's all about his atonement. And he has a line in here where he basically says, in fact, I got to find the specific thing. I don't want to misquote it. It was too good. Um, but he, he says... Some people say that we have to activate the cross, right? We have to do something to give the cross its power. And what you're saying by that, I'm paraphrasing, but I have it here. He says, what you're saying by that is that the cross by itself does not save. And so in other words, it's ultimately left in your hand. And at the the end of the day, the glory is yours because though he made atonement a potential reality, you are left to activate it and give it its power. And that really leaves it in the hands of man. And that's obviously problematic. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because when we talk to people, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say that they're universalists. I don't think anybody that, that disagrees with limited atonement will say, well, yeah, I'm a universalist. In, in definition, that's what they're describing. But they're not really calling themselves universalists, right? They think that you know they're, what they're saying is is biblical. So, w- what are some scriptures in you know, Jason, that we can go to, or where where can we find in the Bible that talks about limited atonement? Is it just a couple scriptures here and there, or is it something that we find you know throughout the scriptures? Yeah, well, it, it is all throughout, especially when you see all the doctrines of grace tied together throughout the Bible, especially in passages like Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, John 6, uh, Romans 9, Romans 8. We see it all throughout. But the specifics about the atonement, I would go to John 10. I know you guys are familiar with that, of course. Yes. It's when Jesus says, I'm just going to quote verse 11 
He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh-huh. He specifies that he lays down his life particularly for a specific group of people. And now some people say, well, couldn't the sheep mean everybody? And I would just point you to the end of the passage where he says to the Pharisees, you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Mm. And therefore, the sheep cannot refer to everybody. Did Jesus die for the Pharisees? That would be my question for anybody who advocates for unlimited atonement. Did he lay down his life for someone who's not a sheep? Um, I don't think John 10 allows for that. Dang, that's a very good point. That's a very, very good point. And these are the, these are the kind of you know things that we must think about, that we must come to uh, uh, a conclusion to. You know, as hard as hard as it is, because our convictions have to come from the Bible. They can't come from anywhere else. So if we are wrong about what we've been taught or the way that we think, and this, and, and you see scripture that points otherwise then we must align with scripture and not, you know, uh, our pastor who's been teaching this or, or you know, the, the, the men's home leader who's been teaching this or anything like that. We need, we need to align with what the Bible says. Yeah, and, 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 and absolutely. I, and I see, um, I, I believe you, met, you mentioned it earlier, Victor. Um, but yeah, uh, aside from you, the universal thought, um, it's the hope that, that people have, right? I mean, even myself, that, that we want all people to be saved. And that's not a, a wrong thing to hope for or to desire. I mean, as we see in scripture, that none will perish is, is a desire that even God has. But the fact is that there will be people that will perish on the day of judgment. And, and I think the thing that really just confuses people when first... Um, hearing either from a, a hyper Calvinist friend or um, uh, even when they just uh, come across it themselves is that when, when hearing about limited atonement, they think or, or even the thought comes across because I know it came to me is that, well, what about people who want to believe and aren't a part of the so-called elect? Is it, is it, does it include them? Because it's limited, right? But then we, we go back to other scriptures too, where Jesus even says, let them come to me. People that come to Christ will not be um, turned away or casted out. All those who, right. who, who want to come forward to Jesus will come. He will draw them, as it says in the scriptures, that no one can come to the Father unless the, I mean, no one can come to him unless the Father draws them. So even those that maybe we may think um, have not been saved yet or, or those that we don't see in our church congregations yet it doesn't mean that it's final yet because I mean we only see at the moment but ultimately as their their judgment has not yet been um, finalized we don't know who will be saved we don't know who's a part of the elect and so when, when we come across this let us not be confused with um with what we have our perception of election is because ultimately that is not our job to see who is elect who is the sheep or as we see in the parable who is the wheat versus who is the tear no we continue to make the gospel available to those people around us all people around us that we go and preach the gospel and our job is just that to preach the gospel to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations and as they come in we understand that the atonement is for those that believe who truly believe in who that is we don't know we only know as much of the fruit that we see mm-hmm. 
That's right. Right. And I got a question about that because I think a lot of people, especially Arminians, provisionists, mm-hmm. they wonder how can a Calvinist preach the gospel to someone if they can't be sure that Jesus actually died for the person they're talking to. So in evangelism, would you say to someone Jesus died for you, even if you're not sure that's the case, theologically, how would you present that to someone in evangelism? I, 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 me personally, I don't know if you're familiar with Living Waters and Ray Comfort. Yeah. I think he does a really good job at that. So I take that approach. You know, he, yeah, if you, if you listen closely, he, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily say that, um, Jesus died for you like to the person he says he 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 uh, uh I forget how exactly he says it but he makes them he makes them he goes through the law he makes them you know see this their sin then he gives them the gospel like, okay Jesus died for sinners so right. he doesn't say Jesus died for you specifically so I'll take that approach and say you know what Jesus died for for lawbreakers Jesus died for those who who are convicted of their sin and if they run to the cross they they will be saved so he doesn't personalize it specifically and say you know you specifically he'll make the gospel presentation and says the gospel is available for those who believe so have you been convicted of your sin then run to the cross and I'll, I'll take that approach you know i mean i wouldn't say to someone you know jesus jesus loves you or anything like that or or take that approach to say you know jesus died for your sins specifically because again our theology you know if we hold to it we're, we're we don't know, right? We're not going to be there and say, hey, you know, you specifically. I'll just take the, the, that approach and say, take them through the law. See that there's, there's, uh, Jesus has died for sinners, for those who would put his faith in him. Now believe, you know, believe. And I'll take that approach. Yeah. And I think right. another approach too is, is when we, um, when evangelizing or talking to somebody that, that is an unbeliever, somebody that doesn't believe in, Christ is is even like as the scripture says just saying that if you repent and believe you will be saved instead of saying that um, you you are saved because you believe today um, even though it might be true but I, I don't want to give somebody a false assurance that they may deceive themselves um, if they really don't believe genuinely maybe they're they're on this emotional trip so so even just clarifying it with with something that is true but not something that that is uh very personal um because i mean us as believers as we do come to saving faith we read the word and and it is personal not that we're not trying to make it personal for other people but if we just say you know if you repent and believe you will be saved there's 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 a um, not a condition. There is a um, a cause and effect, as I guess, as you would say, that the ones that will be saved are only saved because they repent and believe, and and that's the same gospel that Jesus Christ went and preached in Mark chapter one. You know, if you repent and believe, um, you will be saved on the last day. This is the gospel. Yeah, and you know, I like to say regarding the atonement specifically, I would say. Jesus died for all those who would believe in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's like a simple, subtle clarification that I'm not necessarily saying Jesus died for you personally, um, but if you come to faith, that's evidence that you are one of his, his elect, and thus, obviously, he did die for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of evangelists today, uh, in certain circles, they rely on these emotional tactics. Of, yeah. Sometimes it's just relation, And so one of the ways they do that is by personalizing it. 
like Jesus had your name on his mind when he was on that cross yeah. and you're going to let him down and turn him away even though he died trying to save you and that's a very emotional appeal but it's not necessarily biblical when you think it through yeah and then they, they take him through the sinner's prayer or they'll make the altar call and then everybody you know you know collectively repeat this prayer if you want to be in the kingdom today and so you have you know this state stadium full or an audience full of people repeating the same prayer and then they'll be like today you have been saved and they, they declare them saved and because they repeated that prayer not knowing the the spiritual state of, of that person it could have been very right. much emotionalism and they felt good for that moment because this happened to me where i used to go to church i first used to go to, when i first started going to church i was like yeah you know the sermon up there and then i would leave and i'll go snort some cocaine in the car hmm. so i mean it's it's I'm not saying that's what everybody does. I'm not saying it's very possible to get caught up in the feel and the motion of the altar call, repeat the sinner's prayer, and then go out and feel good and still go back to your sinful ways. So there's there's no accountability right there. So the, the preacher will be like, yesterday at the outreach, we had 250 souls saved. And so, I mean, how can you really be sure? Or Greg, Greg Laurie, when he does his Harvest Crusades and... and I respect him in the sense of this, that he says we had, we've had 400,000 professions of faith. So I think that that would be more accurate to say, okay, we've had professions of faith, but not necessarily saved people. Because I think they did a survey also that says out of those 250,000 people that show up, only 14,000 actually continue in, in, in church. And so right. I, I'll give Greg Laurie props in that sense. You know what I mean? That he's actually being honest about about that. Yeah. No disrespect to Greg Lord. <laughs> I think with a with that approach of telling people that they're saved and, and, and telling them that specifically for you, you're giving people a false hope and a false assurance. And so that would mm. lead them to, to, to go astray and be like, oh, okay, I said the sinner's prayer. Mm-hmm. I made a confession. Okay, that's all. That's all I have to do. But I think this is very important. That This is the part that we miss a lot. So sometimes we focus so much on evangelism, but not so much in discipleship. Mm-mm-mm. And that's where, where, where this this doctrine right here. That's where you find out. Okay, what is atonement? What 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 is? Because because I remember you sharing this, and I've had this question too. Why is it so important that Jesus had to die on the cross? What, what, what's the significance of the cross? Why, why did Jesus have to die for, the, for sins? And then this is where the part you can talk about atonement. And you can talk about, well, Jesus came to satisfy the justice or the wrath of God. And so now you, we, we talk about imputation on the cross. And then that's where real discipleship. And then this is where you find out the, the those who have really been saved, because those who have been saved and, and, and get discipled and, and are, are getting into the word of God, God's going to confirm it to them. So at that, that point, the preacher or the person who's evangelizing doesn't say you're saved, but God tells you you're mine. You're saved. Why? Because the Holy Spirit confirms it in you. Yeah. And this is very important, not to just focus on, of course, evangelize, but don't miss that that second part of discipleship. Amen. Yeah. I got a little curveball question for you, Jason. So let's talk Ooh. about, let's talk about, <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's talk about the scriptures that people point out that may seem to contradict limited atonement, right? 
Um, there's a Ooh, few. I got this. There's a few. Breakdown two two. Yeah. You, you know it. You know it. You know it, bro. Yes, sir. You know it, bro. So, f- for those who don't know, First John two two says he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Boom! There you go, Calvinist. Dead shot right there. You're wrong. Jesus, the scriptures say that Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world right there. So how how how, how do we how do we uh, reconcile th- these scriptures and still hold to limited atonement? It's a great question. Yeah, a lot of people point to that and uh, make a number of assumptions about the definitions of terms. There, we have to understand John uses that word "world" a number of different ways, yes. and yes, rarely is he referring to every single individual on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of different uses, even just within the Yohanneum corpus. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind. But then I would like to point people to Revelation 5, verse 9, to give broader context of what John is saying here. Um, I want to go back to 1 John 2, 2, of course, but we have to understand that we must interpret Scripture in the light of Scripture. So That's right, of course. In Revelation 5, 9, it says, And they sang a new song. It's referring to all the hosts of heaven praising Jesus. They said, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you hear how there's a global sense in that, mm-hmm. that laid down his life for, he purchased with his blood a people from every tribe, language, people and nation. So it's not limited to a specific locale. It's not limited to a specific ethnicity, nation. Or anything like that and that's clear i think that that's what john's referring to when he says he didn't die merely for us some people think the us is jews but also gentiles all over the world um and so one other thing about that is the word propitiation that he uses there mm-hmm. it's similar to the word atonement um, but it refers also to the appeasing of god's wrath mm-hmm. if we're going to conclude from that verse that jesus appeased the wrath of god upon every single individual on planet earth then we would have to say that that would necessarily lead to universalism Um, because atoning for someone's sins and propitiating the wrath of God means that God is no longer angry at sinners. He no longer has judgment for them. Um, And therefore there would be no hell unless there's going to be double jeopardy and he's going to punish sins twice. So, and I, I know you guys pointed that out earlier. So I think we see that all throughout. Yeah. And that's a good point because in John chapter 3, things verse 36, he says, For those who do not believe, the wrath of God abides on them, meaning it remains on them. So there is the wrath of God still abides for those who do not believe, who do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is still upon them. So so the question for people who uh, don't hold to limited atonement, how do you reconcile the two? How does does, um, God... How does the wrath of God appeased, but still abiding at the same time? Don't worry, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Just so leave some silence there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's okay. Okay, we got that. But I got another one at you, man. That 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 man. This one is just gonna throw the ball out of the park right here. In Second Peter chapter two, you may know where I'm going with this. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. 
bringing upon themselves swift destruction and many will follow their sensuality and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed and in their greed they will exploit you with false words their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep i read the whole thing because there's context in that and so okay there you go um even denying the master who bought them so false teachers there you go even false teachers uh jesus paid for the sins of these false teachers so come on bro yeah so in context there if you look at what peter teaches about false teachers and you look at what john teaches about false teachers he says they went out from us because they were not truly of us mm-hmm. um speaking of false teachers and apostates uh, we would have to conclude then if if scripture is consistent with itself that it's saying based on their profession of faith if they were being consistent then if they were bought truly by jesus they would not have left i mean i think that's what john makes very clear yeah Uh, but here in the context i i would have to conclude that this is hypothetical saying they even claim that they were bought by the master um, so I wanted to hear what you guys had to had to say about this verse as well, because it is difficult. No denying, it's it's quite complex. Yeah, yes, th- that's where the uh, the importance of not falling into atomism comes in, um, where we take one portion of the of from the Bible and we hold that as the golden definition for a term or an idea that is expressed throughout the scriptures. So, for example, if if maybe a person is struggling with the idea of limited atonement and they see that scripture in first john 2 about how he paid for the sins of the whole world and they take that one scripture as their definition for the atonement that that christ paid for um they will then find themselves in contrary to many other scriptures and so with this term of atomism it's is basically that you you hold to one scripture as you're defining scripture for the the full definition that is expressed throughout the bible for example if i take the example in the gospels where jesus tells the the rich young ruler you know if you sell all your possessions um you will um enter in into the the kingdom well i mean obviously the guy didn't sell all his possessions and he walked away but if we take from from that example and even though i may have paraphrased it a, a lot but if we use that example, then then we could come from that example and say, well, you know what? Just as Jesus says, if I saw my things, I too will be able to enter into the kingdom of God. But no, I can't just take that one portion. I have to continue, as you mentioned before, we with in light of scripture, we have to continue to um, to draw out the truth from scripture with other scripture. We're able to do that. We're able to find proofs from other scripture. And so we build this shelf idea of salvation. We take one scripture from here, we take another scripture from here, and we just build on this idea of salvation. And that's just an example. And so and so in that portion that you read, Martin, um, about about this idea of uh, the false teachers and how, um, I mean, like how I mentioned before, there's only a, an assumption. If they have made this profession of faith, they have made this profession that they too were of God, then ultimately it, it would seem as if they have lost that salvation that they once professed. But in light of other scripture, it would only prove that they were never of the fold to begin with. They were never from us. So therefore they went out from among us. Right. I, I would, Depart from uh, me. Mm-hmm. I never knew you. 
exactly exactly yeah so i've, I've read some commentaries upon this and a, a lot of people would say that the word bot is not necess- necessarily salvific so we know that that um the lord he delivered um the israelites out of egypt so he bought them out of slavery and what is leading them to the promised land but obviously we know that that generation that came out of israel didn't make it to the promised land so that term bought is not necessarily salvific so i've read comments says which says these false teachers are more like the judaizers that we see in the book of galatians that they came in you know trying to add faith plus works so in the in the they, they were jews so they were technically bought out of slavery you know which is their history so these are jewish false teachers that come in and so since he peter would um um would say that these are jewish false teachers that they were bought from you know this this portion in history they were bought out of slavery and now bring coming into the promised land so so they denied the very god that delivered them from slavery and continue to deliver them all throughout jewish history so they're denying the very god that they profess to believe in so I, I, I saw it that way that these are these are Jewish false teachers that you know try to creep in and add you know other other things to the gospel and since the, their lineage was that of God's chosen people they're denying the very God that delivered them from so much bondage throughout their history yeah so bot doesn't necessarily mean salvific in that sense do you have any uh, any more of those verses that uh, the people often use to throw against limited summit? Oh, bro. Because I, I could need a couple here. All right. Let, let's do it. Let's do it, man. So I got John. Okay, let's deal um, specifically with John 3.16, right? Because I feel that's yeah. that's that's something that 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 people, they that's the first one that they run to, right? So what you said about how John uses the word world in different sense, yeah. I mean, the, I'm, I'm all over that because even all doesn't mean all people you know you go you go into a, a classroom and the teacher says is everybody here or is all the people here he's not she's not talking about is all the people in the world here you know all of those right. who are supposed to be here that's who is here so let, let, let's deal with with uh, John 3.16 what, what would you have to say for for the people that throw John 3.16 at us and say this will contradict limited atonement yeah, well, first of all, John 3.16 is actually not about the atonement. So though people do use it against limited atonement, they're kind of misunderstanding the passage, though it is about salvation. I'll acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two words in there that people like to narrow in on is world, as you mentioned, and then whosoever. And the actual translation in the Greek, I'm myself not an expert on Greek, but from those who have studied the Greek exegetically, they have pointed out that the actual verse says that all the believing ones will have eternal life mm-hmm. um, it doesn't say this word like the English language kind of distorts whosoever sounds like it's leaving it up to the free will of man um, but that's an implication based on connotations in the English language that simply don't exist in the Greek so I think whosoever should not be pointed to as some basis for soteriological doctrine considering that it doesn't really have those same implications in the original language but then the word world as you said it doesn't always talk it doesn't always refer to 
every individual on planet Earth. Uh, sometimes, I've, in fact, I've heard commentators point out that since he's speaking to Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, he's pointing out that it's not just for Jews, it's also for Jews and Gentiles. So he's saying it's not limited to a specific nation. So yeah, there's, there's a number of uh, different interpretations of that verse, and none of them necessarily lead to this conclusion that salvation is merely made possible and left up to the free will of man. I think that's a conclusion based on assumptions. I, I got one. I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts, your guys' uh, biblical opinions on this one. What about those scripture that says, well, God wills all men to be saved? Because uh, they'll, they'll yeah. throw that one at us too. Like, wait a minute. God wills that all to be saved. So how could you say limited atonement where, where the Bible is clearly saying that God wants everyone to be saved, okay, all men to be saved? Let, let me read that scripture. So that's in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, uh, let's start in verse 8. It says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there you go. Even God himself wills that that none should perish. I, I don't mean to be arrogant, but this one is a bit too easy. Um, <laughs> you. The, the whole, if you read the whole sentence as you did, you'll see that he says he is patient toward you. Who is you there? <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering. I'm pretty sure. And it, I know, in, in fact, that at the beginning of this epistle, he addresses this to the elect. Um, so he's speaking to the people of God, the saints. And he says, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, once again, referring to the believers. So necessarily, the conclusion would be not wishing that any, the implication being any of us, any of his elect, should perish, that all, but that all should reach repentance. And so he draws his elect in his own time, and that's why his coming is delayed. Um, and that's uh, a beautiful thing to think about. <laughs> I don't know if you could just drop your mic where you're at and <laughs> disconnect Whoa. it first and then disconnect it and drop it. <laughs> uh, no, no. So, see, look, this is why we're doing this, bro. Because, man, we're called Reformed Rasa because we want to minister to, you know, uh, the 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 raza, the people, the Hispanic people, because I mean, I've seen, I've, I will keep repeating this, and I will keep repeating to this until someone comes at me and challenges me towards it. In the Hispanic Church, we have a lack of uh, discipleship and a lack of of real biblical knowledge, where we take these, we pick out these scriptures even during the sermons. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll pick a scripture here and scripture there. And the rest of the sermon is talking about whatever things they saw on TV, even talking about other church members or a story that, that happened to them in 1984 when they were in their gangbang days. And then they'll, they'll talk about so many things and then they'll point out a scripture here and a scripture there. And then you're, you, you feel edified because of the stories that are being told. So well, God delivered me out of drugs and the devil doesn't have no authority over me. And we stomp on the devil and people get wild up and they start, you know, rising up and then, and then, it's 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 a whole thing, and then you're never really discipled, or you're not really ever um, taught how to think critically about the text. And so, then they sent people out 
Say let's go do evangelism Jesus loves you brother Hey Jesus loves you And you know We'll stand outside With our signs And on the street corners And it's all good You know I'm not saying God cannot work Through those kind of things If someone's passing by Having a hard day And they see A Jesus loves you sign You know I'm not I'm not saying God can't work through that But the, the When you talk to them and you, and you say What is it about Jesus That you believe Oh, don't give me theology Don't give me doctrine You know Just give me Jesus Okay so what about Jesus Do you believe I mean right. The listener uh, That's that's the thing That I want you to ponder About this What is it about Jesus That you believe Because we In these churches We see a lot of people Coming in You know They have men's homes They have group homes And you know Taking people off the streets And they give them a place to stay and, and, and that's all good You know Taking people out of the street and feeding them and giving them a place to rest, but then they go out and or they leave and they're not really truly disciple. They're that's they're not they haven't reached that salvific um, point in their lives. And so I just want to challenge those the listeners that may be involved, in, you know, with you know Victory Outreach or. Or other Hispanic churches of, you know, Calvary Chapel or things like that, to actually think critically a little bit more about Jesus Christ and what He really has done. Because that was a critical point in in my walk. When after a year I got saved, I never heard nothing like, like you know, words like propitiation or things like that. It wasn't until I ran into a Paul Washer sermon and he was talking about these kind of things that blew my mind. And so I asked my pastor at the time, say, Did Jesus take the wrath of God? On, on the cross Yeah sure You know Amongst other things You know So I was like Sounds like I gotta dig into this For myself And that's the challenge That I would have to You know Say to people listening Dig into the scriptures For yourself And do the work You know what I mean Do the work that it takes You know Don't just You know Pick a Don't just open up your bible And just put your finger on the scripture Okay that's the scripture of the day You know Actually do the work Go through uh, a, 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 the book of John or whatever and go verse by verse and see what the things are being said and then do the research. Connect scripture with scripture, you know, scripture, interpret scripture and, and do the work that it takes. Because if, if you truly believe in Jesus Christ and get to know him, and how do we get to know him? Through the scriptures. So... Right. That's that's what I have to say. We're not we're not just talking about these things just because, oh man, we're we're superior, you know, Calvinists over here, and we got all these theological terms together and this and that. Nah, we're doing this because we want to get to know the Lord. The theology that we hold to must result in the worship of God and the right worship of God, so that we may praise Him, um, not out of ignorance, but actually praise Him for who He is. What he has really accomplished And that way when, when we come to worship We will be able to actually worship him For who he is Not only that it, it will affect Our lifestyle, our evangelism And it will give us a heart for people And it will give us an endurance To, 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 to keep persevering Until the end So I'm sorry right. I went off on a little rant there But <laughs> whatever <laughs> Oh that's wisdom right there <laughs> And, and I think as uh, we come to the end of that, but so we come to the part where how are we able to apply this doctrine in um, our Christian walk? Um, is, is there anything that you have, Jason, 
as far as application? Where where can a believer apply this in their walk? Yeah, well, that's a great question because obviously everything God has revealed to us in His Word has some sort of application, and we need to take that into account. There's a lot of people who say, "Why do you really care about the specifics of you know who did Jesus die for specifically? Why why is that something that you care about?" Mm-hmm. Uh, but think about how central the cross is to the Christian faith and theology. We wear cross necklaces. We have cross symbols in our church. Do you really know what was accomplished on the cross? Mm. Do you live your life aware of what Jesus did? Or do you have a misconception about his redemptive work? And I think it's key for our Christian life, especially given that the atonement is so central, that we understand it properly. And, you know, one other thing about like application, the reason this matters is not because we want to win arguments and, you know, just have our ego boosted by, oh, I destroyed those Arminians. That's not the purpose of this. And we shouldn't even find satisfaction in any of that because that would be carnal. But what we're seeking to do is give Jesus all the glory for his work. And as Shai Lin says on this song, Mission Accomplished, I know I mentioned it earlier. If anyone hasn't heard that, I suggest you check it out. Um, But he says, not one drop of the Savior's blood was shed in vain. He will receive his reward entirely. Um, And it just reminds us, like, Jesus didn't try and fail. He didn't leave salvation as a mere potential reality that's left to the will of man such that it's possible no one would have been saved by the cross. No, he's a powerful savior who works his will and saves his people. And that gives him all the glory. And we should emphasize that for sure. Yeah. Amen. And, and, and with this, uh, I mean, it, it only leads to um, further down at the end of these five points to the preservation of the saints. Because not only did he atone for the sins, um, he didn't just save them, but he kept them. And that goes back to when Moses was interceding for the nation of Israel. Um, when 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 God just wanted to just rid um, of the Israel nation that was in the wilderness that were complaining and and just continually not wanting God, but instead turning back to their old idols and their old gods. But um, I, I just want to go back and reread a scripture um, that, that we may be able to um, apply this doctrine in our Christian walk, which is 1 John 2, 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not only ours only, but also for the rest of the whole world. And so here I see the application as well is for the believer to take assurance that when we come to this saving faith, when we repent and believe upon Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, now we have this security in him. If we have been confirmed by the Holy Spirit, we have this deposit, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can take confidence that even if I fall into sin, that sin has been paid for. My my advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous, as mentioned here, has toned for my sin. There is no new sin in, in my future that has not been atoned for. And so that atonement on the cross was a once and for all atonement upon my life as a believer. And, and the same could be applied to anyone else who does believe upon Jesus Christ. And if you want, you know, more clarification as far as atonement, and, 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 and 
Jesus Christ as our advocate, our high priest, you could go ahead and read through the book of Hebrews. It may be um, a lot of back and forth between Hebrews and Deuteronomy and, 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 and the, the Old Testament, but it very um, clarifies how the covenant from the Old Testament is brought over to the New Testament and how Jesus Christ continues it forward for us, the Gentiles, and how we are able to be brought in and how his death on the cross is sufficient for us and why his death was necessary on our part. Right. Amen. And uh, just uh, a couple of things on my thoughts. There's a, there's a bunch of applications, a bunch of benefits for for the believer who's listening right now because just like uh, just like you said um, it magnifies God it gives glory to God these doctrines and also to the believer that assurance but also at the same time it gives the believer a type of joyful kind of worship to God knowing that it was not by our works it was not because of what we did, but just as the episode before this, it's because the fact is that God loves the believer so much. Not the whole world, not not everybody, but but particularly for the believer, for his elect, that he that he, he loves them, that for the believer, knowing that you are made right with God knowing that you are not an enemy anymore because your sins were paid for on the cross, atoned, propitiated, that it is an assurance for you that should cause you to walk in obedience to God. Knowing that that, that God has secured your salvation and, and Revelation 21 is what we're all waiting for. That one day there will be no more tears, no more pain. God will wipe away every tear from from our eyes there'll be no more death no more pain no more sorrow for the former order of former things have passed away behold he says that he makes all things new and this is what we're all waiting for and how are we secured in that the atonement of christ what christ has done and this just emphasizes or or it magnifies it's just the worship of god and in jesus christ our lord that even uh, romans chapter 8 the whole portion in, in verse 37, how we are more than conquerors, that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, nor height, nor depth, nor, nor, nor uh, life, death, angels, demons. No, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And not necessarily our love for him, because we're, we're still sinners. We're still broken. We're still in, in need of Christ every day. But more so, his love for us is never, never going to fail us. So it was not a reckless type of love for us. It was not that at all, <laughs> but it, it, it was it was it was that 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 beauty of who who God is, and it magnifies us to worship Him joyfully, not to worship Him out of out of like oh man I I feel so burdened to worship God the same song again no, it magnifies us to, to where we sing songs joyfully to, unto our Lord, and so uh, this this has so many benefits for the, for the believer. Just more assurance and, and, and knowing who God is will make you want to joyfully worship him. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. And so, uh, Jason, I know you're going on your podcast, you're going through the Institutes of the Christian Religion. And so that's that. Yeah, I've been listening to that. So that's been pretty dope. Um, um, so just let us know before um, we close this episode uh, where they can find you, Instagram, you know, what platforms are you on? And what, you know, what, what does the future hold for Daily Reformation? All things like that. Yeah. So if you uh, want to follow the Instagram, you can find that at daily.reformation. Uh, the, I used to have, you know, like Twitter, Facebook, everything and I still do, but really where it's at is the Instagram. I kind of want to consolidate it there. So at daily.reformation and the podcast, you can just search on just about any podcast player, daily reformation, and it should come up. And, uh, yeah. So just the, the podcast players and the Instagram. Nice, nice. And so, yeah, so, I, you know, I've listened to uh, quite a bit of your episodes. And so, you know, I've been I've been edified by them and just, you know, just uh, I, I would encourage the listener and I go ahead and follow Jason. And uh, he's, he's 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 going through through the Institutes of the Christian Religion, like I said. And uh, it, it's, it's, you know, you, I, I, I like it, bro, because you put it in a very practical way. You know what I mean? And it's only it's, it's, it's not that long you do, you know. Um, what is it, like 20, 30 minutes that your, is your podcast around there? Um, yeah. So it's not as long as like this, you know what I mean? You're going to have to listen to us on two feet or oh, I'm going to pause it there and I'll continue later. <laughs> but, but yeah, man. So um, thank you, just, uh, Jason, for hopping on and just sharing uh, um, your knowledge with us. And, you know, um, I'll go ahead and encourage the listener to go ahead and dig deeper into the scriptures and find out for yourself whether the things that you heard on this podcast are true or not. Be yeah. a Marine. Uh, yeah, I mean, just like you said, go ahead and test, you know, what we said. Look through the scriptures. I hope you're able to write down some of the scripture. If not, pause and go back. Um, look through these scriptures and even ask yourself these questions as well. Did uh, God send his son to die for every person? Or if not, then who did he send his son to die for? And then another question is, if God loves all people, then why would he allow people to go to hell? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I love my family and they made a decision to run off a cliff, I'm going to run towards them and stop them. I mean, that's just me. Oh, so you want all the smoke. So, so then does my, <laughs> does my love or the love of other people for their family, does, does our love... Um, is, is, is our love somewhat greater than the love of God that, that God would just stand helplessly allowing people to go to hell what does that mean search the scriptures dig deeper and if this is something that maybe you're uh, going back and forth trying to figure out maybe you've already seen it maybe you're just struggling with the idea of it and you don't want to believe it rest assured in the good purpose of God amen and if you got any beef with us, hit us up at reformrasa.com or reformrasa.gmail.com. Uh, go ahead and send your rebukes there. And, you know, it, you know, it's not about, you know, starting debates or anything like that. But we, we really want people to know, you know, what God has done. So if you have any questions, comments or concerns, hit us up. Send us an, send us an email or hit us up at the. I was just going to say real quick, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but before you close out, one last question for you. Go ahead. Because uh, I think this is key. Yeah. The There's a lot of people who are four-pointers. And when they say yeah. that four-point Calvinists, why is it that they reject the fifth point 
specifically limited atonement? Why is that the one that people have a problem with? And what would you say to someone who claims to be a Calvinist but rejects this? It doesn't make any sense when they reject limited atonement because if they hold to every other point, which is basically uh, the total depravity, all people are are born into sin is because of that they don't have the ability to want or choose god and you come to an unlimited um uh, i'm sorry unconditional election which is that there is no condition prior for man to come to salvation but instead it is god who wills and it is god who by his gift his grace allows for um, salvation to come to a sinful man and so even with just those two points, it, it, it already limits the salvation to the one that whom God has gifted faith to. And then, you know, you could clarify even further with irresistible grace, uh, with the preservation of the saints, irresistible grace. You know, who can resist the will of God? Who can push back against when God has willed for a person to be saved? And if anything, I would even argue that why would somebody want to resist salvation? Why would somebody push back on a free salvation that has been given to them that there was no precursor, no um, condition necessary for that person, but only to be a sinner? And that the preservation of the saints is that how God will keep a person in and that and that only highlights the atonement. The preservation only highlights the limited atonement that that their sins were paid for in full. And so the preservation is just that. It's, it's how God will not only save a person, but keep a person. Yeah, right. I, I, I would agree with you, Justin. And it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It just, it just doesn't. Um, I think it's mostly also um, based on the tradition that you come from. You know what I mean? Um, people may think that it's going to affect your evangelism or, or you know, it's going to affect some sort of uh, thing in your life that you don't honestly want to change. You know what I mean? And I think it's clearly in scripture. And I think just people have a hard time just uh, accepting hard truths. You know what I mean? So people are more rather holding on to their tradition or to what they've been taught in church than actually hold to what the scriptures actually actually say. Right. Yeah, me, like I said, yeah, like I said before that uh, I had a problem with limited atonement. I'd agree with everything else, but I had a problem with limited atonement. But that's just because I didn't really understand what limited atonement was. So I'd say to that person that they're just not there yet. Because uh, you can't have election without limited atonement. It's just, it's impossible to have that. Yeah. And so I think that that person just, as he goes deep in scripture and gets more confidence in who God is, he'll, he'll be ready to, to accept the facts. Yeah. It's like if the if the father if you believe in tulip without the without the L, you'd say that the father unconditionally elects a limited group of people, and that the Holy Spirit irresistibly regenerates that specific group of people, but the son is in conflict with the will of the father and the Holy Spirit because he's trying to save all people. We know that God, the triune God, all three persons of the Godhead are united mm-hmm. in in the will of God, and so we have to acknowledge that instead of saying that jesus was trying to do something that the father and the spirit didn't will you know no yeah that's good and Amen. It, it, it it just causes itself to fold in on itself i mean it, that's right. that's where the l really keeps all five together uh, they they continue to go back and, and that's why it's the doctrine of grace i mean it, this this is something that is solely god in his yeah. sovereign will mm-hmm. and this is something that is very gracious to us who are undeserving of all these things 
And so that's why we go and, and you know, this, the purpose of, of, of these five points is not to, to showboat and, you know, boast to unbelievers, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I'm part of the elect. Jesus died for me, not you. No, this is solely for edification. If anything, for the believer that they can have an assurance and a confidence in Christ and the finished work upon his life so that they may go out and share the same thing that has saved them that others might come to a saving faith and that they too would take confidence in it that's just me <laughs> that's just me though <laughs> yeah so if, I mean yeah I, I would challenge even the, the hyper Calvinist man to you know Calm down, you know what I mean? <laughs> Relax, take a chill pill, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're in that stage, you need yeah. to get out, man. You're, you're, not, you're not God's warrior trying to slash and bash everybody that disagrees, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, 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 I think we could, we could work on, on that part. Yeah, it's not about debate, it's about defending the faith. So, so chill out. Oh, those. oh all right, all right. Just going to drop bars at the end, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We got it. You gotta move past the cage stage into the sage stage. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't got anything. <laughs> no, you'll get there. You'll get there. I'm not too. Not there yet. I'm not there yet. <laughs> so, uh, well, like I said, thank you so much, uh, Jason, for hopping on, and uh, you know, go ahead. Like I said, you know, hit him up on Instagram, Daily Reformation, Daily Dot Reformation. Hit us up, reformrasa.com, reformrasa at gmail.com, uh, with anything you want to send us. Go ahead and send us a, a voicemail at the bottom of the description. Go ahead and hit that button right there. You can leave a voicemail. We'll play your voicemail on one of our shows. So if you want to be podcast famous, go ahead and leave us a voicemail. <laughs> so for Reformed Raza, we are out of here. Gracias so much for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode as we talk about irresistible grace. And when we get into uh, the perseverance of the saints, we're going to have another guest. And that one is going to be, how shall I say it? Very dope. So. Uh, thank you so much. This is Reform Raza. We do this to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Grow as we grow. Amen. Arato vatos. Later. Peace. One, two. One, two, one, two. Okay. We on? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Here's a controversial subject that tends to divide For years it's had Christians lining up on both sides By God's grace I'll address this without pride The question concerns those for whom Christ died okay. Was he trying to save everybody worldwide? What? Was he trying to make the entire world his bride? What? Does man's unbelief keep the Savior's hands tied? Huh? Biblically each of these must be denied It's true Jesus gave up his life for his bride But his bride is the elect to whom his death is applied If on judgment day you see that you can't hide uh -huh. Because of your sin God's wrath on you abides yeah. And hell is the place you eternally reside That means your wrath from God hasn't been satisfied But we believe his mission was accomplished when he died yeah. But how the cross relates to those in hell? Well, they be saying Yeah, yeah That's what they be saying Catch me saying that he tried But I'm saying Did he try and fail or did he succeed? Is there gonna be one drop 
of the Savior's blood in vain? Nah, perish the thought. The Lamb will receive the reward for his suffering. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, three and yet one, working as a unit to get things done. Our salvation began in eternity past. God certainly has to bring all his purpose to pass. A triune, eternal bond no one could ever sever. When it comes to the church, keep how they work together. The Father foreknew first, the Son came to earth to die. The Holy Spirit gives the new birth. The Father elects them, the Son pays their debt and protects them. The Spirit is the one who resurrects them. The Father chooses them, the Son gets bruised for them. The Spirit renews them and produces fruit in them. Everybody's not elect, the Father decides. And it's only the elect in whom the Spirit resides. The Father and the Spirit, completely unified. But when it comes to Christ and those in hell, well, they be saying, so if we can agree that the election of the Father is not universal and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit is not universal, why would the atonement of the Son be universal? That would put the persons of the Trinity completely at odds with one another. But the triune God is completely unified. Yeah, a third and final verse. Here's the situation. Just a couple more things for your consideration. If saving everybody was why Christ came in history with so many in hell, we have to say he fell miserably. So many think he only came to make it possible. Let's follow this solution to a conclusion that's logical. What about those who were already in the grave? The Old Testament wicked, condemned as depraved. Did he die for them? Come on, behave. But worst of all, you're saying the cross by itself doesn't save. That we must do something to give the cross its power. That means at the end of the day, the glory's ours. That man sinning thinking is not recommended. The cross will save all for whom it was intended. Because for the elect, God's wrath was satisfied. But still, when it comes to those in hell, well, they be saying, Look, at the end of the day, this is about giving God the maximum amount of glory. You know what I'm saying? We proclaim a cross that actually saves, not make salvation possible, but actually saves. Matthew 1, 21, his name should be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Not might save them, not try to save, but no, he will actually save them. It's a definite atonement. And yo, this ain't controversy for the sake of controversy or theological nitpicking. Salvation is of the Lord. Him belongs all the glory. Only day of glory yeah. But let's get into the text. See what the scriptures have to say about it. Lord, thank you for the cross. Word up.